Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming an Artist, Creative Secrets Revealed. And today I'm speaking to the wonderful Alex Farkas, who's going to talk to us all about how artists can get their work into galleries and specifically into online galleries as well. So if you want to sell your work as an artist, this has so many valuable tips and so much valuable information in it. Um, it's a great episode, so stay tuned for that. Also, if you want to um, go to becominganartist.co.uk, you can download all of the resources from all of the podcast episodes. And I've also created this Becoming Part of an Online Gallery Exact Steps uh, diagram that you can download there as well. So go there to download all the resources from all of the podcast episodes. And I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll see you on the other side. Cool. Hello, everyone. So today I'm here with Alex Farkas, who founded U Gallery in 2006, when he noticed that art patrons weren't able to easily acquire art outside of their local gallery scene. He had also studied art history at university, and he saw how hard it was for new artists to break into the market and be treated fairly. So wanting to make a positive difference in the art world, he founded one of the first ever online art galleries, U Gallery, which significantly improve the opportunities available for emerging artists and represents over 350 artists today. So lovely to have you here, Alex. Thank you for joining me today. Um, Thank you. I've got a few questions for you. Uh, I think it's be really good to chat to you and figure out how artists can approach you and other, other kind of online galleries and if you've got any advice for them as well. So to start off with, can you just tell me a bit more about the process of you setting up U Gallery and how you found your first artist to represent and how you got the word out to collectors? Just tell me a bit of the story behind that, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you mentioned, I started U Gallery in 2006. I wow. had been a studying a long time ago, <laughs> uh, long time ago really long time ago. <laughs> I had been studying art history and sculpture at the University of Arizona and okay. my uh, my parents and you know myself I was interested in business as well so my mom encouraged me to pursue a degree in entrepreneurship in the business college and they have this really cool year-long program where they help you come up with an idea for a business you write a business plan they teach you how to pitch it and so I came up with this idea for you gallery because I was seeing all of these talented artists in the art school having a really difficult time making the leap from being student artists, emerging artists to professional um, full-time career artists. So we came up with the idea for U Gallery. I had uh, two partners as well, and we, we wrote the business plan. The school liked our idea and uh, they coached us along and sent us to a couple business case competitions. There was a premier one in the United States and one in Canada. And, we were lucky enough to win both competitions nice. uh, and that became our initial seed money because they had cash prizes. So we, uh, we pooled the earnings from the, the competitions and pretty much every cent in our bank accounts. And we <laughs> built our first website and, uh, and got started. And so it was a kind of an amazing wild ride in those early days when we launched you gallery as one of the, really the first online galleries. Uh, this was a, pretty new concept people still weren't buying cars and food and everything else on the internet the most common question people asked us was uh is anyone really going to buy art without seeing it in person so i think we really worked to help develop that space and 
a lot of yeah. it was our, our marketing and thinking creatively about how we can present art to people in a way uh, that they could connect with in a picture and how to do a good job with packaging and shipping and everything else. So it was uh, really an adventure in the early days and still continues to be, even though we've been in business now uh, going on 18 years, I think there's a lot to learn always. Yeah. And so can you talk to me a bit about how you, you said about kind of presenting the work with kind of good pictures and things that will kind of entice people to, to want to buy online. What, what was the process that you went through with that? Did you figure out better ways? What was the better way to sort of present the work of artists in the end? Yeah. Well, uh, I think that we learned pretty early on, we started out showing one image of each artwork and realized, well, that wasn't quite enough and even yeah. quite enough for our system. We've always been a curated online gallery, which means we select the artists that we work with and we choose all the pieces that we show in the gallery. And we learned that we really needed to see more of the art for context. So we started asking artists to shoot art from different angles, uh, mm. a side shot of the piece, a picture of the art in context of a space, a close-up yeah. to show the details. These kind of became standards for how we worked with artists. And also we created templates for how the art should look. So if an artist can shoot well indoors, this is what the setting should look like. If they yeah, need more great. natural light, how to shoot outside. And so I think we did a lot in the early days to help artists understand that uh, the picture was really the most important part of displaying the work. If it wasn't shot in nice lighting, and um, if there weren't a good kind of setup for the, the photography, that was a major point. And then also we've started in the early days just letting artists post work without saying anything. And then we realized we really need a description to go along with the work. And so yeah. we committed that if artists would give us a little bit of an idea of their thought process, we would write custom descriptions for every artwork. And so I think those two things became real cornerstones for uh, helping customers be comfortable with the process to understand more about the art. We always said the little bio that goes along with each piece is kind of a statement that if you own this piece, what would you say about it to your friends and family if they came over? Yeah. And so getting really clever about um, helping people feel comfortable with the art buying process. And that was also partly better understanding who our clients were. And that was certainly a learning process as well. Yeah. So how did you find those kind of early clients? Was it through kind of doing these shows and things like that? Or was it, did you kind of reach out to people that you maybe thought might be interested in the art? What was, what was the process there? Yeah, great question. We had very limited marketing budget since we were just a couple kids out of school doing this. And we went with a, a PR approach, which worked out really well for us okay. because especially as a new business, you can always attract attention for PR. And since our concept was kind of novel for the time, we were able to get some really good hits in the early days. There were a few publications even that don't exist anymore. There was one called Daily right. Candy, which was a daily email newsletter. And that was our first really big press hit. I think we had something like, uh, I, I don't know, for our little gallery being a couple months old, we had something like 15,000 visitors on the first day that that wow. hit took and brought a bunch of business to us. And so we really focused on PR in the first couple of years. And that was yeah. a great strategy for us because even though it's not free in the sense that you spend time to do it, it's much less money than buying advertising. And so we crafted good stories and we kind of worked the ladder up until we got into some really big publications. Uh, over time, we got into the New York Times and the Washington Post and then 
a bunch of art publications as well. And we really learned it's all, all about the storytelling. So I think PR was a big driver for us. And then also we were early in search engine optimization, which yeah. if you're familiar, it's getting your uh, site ranked high in Google. So we did a lot in the early days to understand that. Those were things that we could do with our time versus our wallets, where we could, my partner and I, we just divided up the work and spent the time pitching stories and figuring out how to optimize our website. And then over time, we started to invest more in things like uh, search engine marketing and um, those kinds of activities. Yeah. And and you kind of, I guess it's important to build the relationships with, with these collectors as well. So how yeah. do you maintain those relationships with, with these collectors? Do you kind of get, do you contact them um, specifically and kind of give them personal service or is it kind of more of a just newsletter type thing? What What's the process there? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, we've always viewed ourselves as being very personable within this space. I, I mean, I can say that there are a lot of online galleries, but most are marketplaces, which means anyone can show their work there. And they're kind of impersonal, especially when it comes to the customer service. And we said from the early days, we want to differentiate ourselves. We really want to act like a traditional gallery, but with a little bit more reach for being online. So really, we thought of ways, how can we be in touch with clients, everyone who wants to be in touch with us? So we've always kind of structured our marketing to be friendly and approachable and say, hey, if you want to talk to us, just give us a call. But we took it a step further. We picked up the phone and called clients. Uh, we started sending handwritten thank you cards to every customer. We started that in the early days and we've kept doing that even today. So yeah. anyone who buys art from us, we send them a note after the purchase. And yeah. even if they buy 10 pieces, we still send them another card, you know, every time they come back and buy from us. And we really try and make a point to keep track of who people are, follow up with them. If they bought work from an artist in the past and we have new work from that artist, we think they'll like, we reach out. So a big yeah, part of right. the whole gallery relationship is kind of the, the long-term game, actually getting to know your customers and remembering them and being personable with them. And I think we get a lot for that. There's, a, there's something to be said about making these relationships. We have clients who come back to us year after year. Some clients have bought 50, 60, 70 artworks from us. And I know wow. that that's a large part because they like interacting with us. Um, and we've had... One woman who's been our art advisor at Ugali for 12 years now, so they know her by first name. And people can always talk to me, too. I, I really yeah. believe that that's a big part of what separates us. Yeah, that's great. And how did yeah. you go about kind of figuring out who you, I, in the really early days, you, how did you pick your first few artists? Were they people mm -hmm. who, were, who were going to the same school as you? Because you spoke about how you saw other artists from your school finding it difficult um yeah. was that was that kind of did you go to the people that you knew or did you did you reach out or did you do an open call what was the what was the process there yeah that was wild I, I think we learned really early on that we didn't just have our customers as the clients buying art but we also had artists as our customers too and it was so yeah. important to develop those relationships very chicken in the egg because if we didn't have art, we didn't have customers. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. And so we spent a lot of time, and I laugh about this now, but I did start with artists who I knew at school at the University of Arizona, which was really helpful. There were some very talented people there. And they, I think 
because of them, we were able to get you gallery off the ground because they were committed. We had nice relationships with them. I spent a lot of time with them in person. And then I kind of hit the road and I started traveling all over the country, visiting art schools wow. because in the early days we were very focused on student artists uh, for the first year and a half. That really was our direction. And then we kind of owned that space pretty quickly. And we also realized student artists aren't necessarily the ones most asking for what we were doing. We realized it was people who were a little farther along in their career who really wanted to work with an online gallery for a number of reasons. Um, but uh, I, I was saying I was laughing because in the early days, we would offer artists $100 if they would put five pieces of art on our website. Um, okay. Like no questions asked, we would send them a check. <laughs> That's how much we wanted art on you gallery it's to i mean totally different now we receive probably a hundred applications a week now and wow. we take probably maybe five percent or less of that um yeah. so it's really very different um but it was convincing people at the time not only should they buy art on the internet but they should also sell their art on the internet and that we would be mm. a good viable solution for that um says so yeah it's a fun it was a funny time it was really fun for me i got to travel all over the country meet yeah. really fantastic people and and then it grew from there and now i'd say with mostly the most successful relationships coming from referrals so artists that we already work with telling studio mates and people they know that uh you gallery is a good fit that they've done well and they send them along to, to us oh fantastic it does sound fun yeah. traveling around and just chatting to artists and trying to get them to come. <laughs> uh, nice, nice uh, bit of curation and things going going on there. With with you choosing the artists, um, I'm I was just wondering about kind of do you have to put your personal taste aside? Because like if you don't like a certain style of artist, but uh, style of art, but you think it'll sell, is that something that you have to do, or are you just completely open to whatever or how how do you find that process of choosing? Very fascinating. Well, in the early days, we thought we're opening you gallery because it'll be a great opportunity for people our age to buy art. Uh, recent college graduates, people who want to own something other than prints and posters. But yeah. we learned maybe not as fast even as we should have that you're never your customer, really. Um, yeah. And then over time, we really learned that the average client that we work with now is uh, typically 50 to 70 years old. They're people whose children are graduated from college and now they have disposable income. They're still working. Uh, it's kind of yeah. the joke in the art world is people start buying art after their last kid finishes school before they buy their first <laughs> sports car. And okay. so I think we found that's very true. And we've even developed our own customer avatar who we yeah. talk to in all of our marketing activities. Uh, she's a lady named Mary. She's very sweet. Uh, <laughs> but everything we do is focused about talking to one person um, yeah. in this kind of marketing. Uh, but, you know, certainly with curation, there were different periods of time where I felt differently about it. When I was young, my taste was definitely a lot more edgy, I think, than who our customers. I mean, you can kind of see behind me, I've got a painting of a fork and socket. Most of the art that is in my house is not necessarily what we sell. But I yeah. also learned, too, that there's a, a real kind of interest in fun in developing the aesthetic of the gallery. And it didn't have to be my taste. I could pursue my own particular interest on the side. And it was interesting to listen to what customers were looking for. And also realizing that for the most part, 
as, as a gallery, our aesthetic is selling things uh, for people to have really nice, beautiful homes, uh, things that are peaceful and enjoyable to look at and make them proud of where they live and work. And so as much as I like uh, very kind of offbeat uh, and edgy things, that wasn't necessarily what we sold, but also keeping in mind that it's important to have kind of a rounded look. And I think in any kind of merchandising, whether it's for art or a home decor store or anything, it's good to kind of cross merchandise because it elevates everything. And so we stopped saying after a while that we're there to serve everyone because that's the misnomer, I think, for most businesses when they get going is that, you know, we're here to help everyone find original art. And we said, well, no, actually, our gallery is focused on helping Mary find original art. And so <laughs> good part old of Mary. that is the kind of, yeah, good old Mary and having this evolution of our aesthetic. It's really fun. And, you know, in some ways, by limiting yourself, you kind of open the door to being a lot more creative and doing different things in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's quite a fun thing to do, just, just kind of curating. That curation process is is exciting, isn't yeah. it? To kind of get to choose, <laughs> get to choose these artists and, and get to know them yeah. and get to know their stories. Are there, are there any kind of specific success stories that you can talk about with your where it comes when it comes to your artists are there any people that really stick out for you who've done really really well through your gallery yeah i I mean we've worked with uh, a number of people who i think count you gallery as their full-time art career so we have artists who provide us new work every week and we sell their art every week Um, that isn't even limited to a few people uh Partly what we have uh, by limiting how many artists we show is this ability to support more people. You know, the internet, especially when I was kind of coming of age and starting this business was really in a long tail thinking. That's the Amazon mindset where you could show one of every type of art forever. And even if you only sold one piece of that particular type of art every now and then, it's good for the business. But in the reverse, that's not so good for artists because then maybe if I only sell one of your artworks a year, that's not actually doing anything meaningful for your career. So we got really focused. We work right now with about 350 artists, which is still a lot of people, but in the scope of the internet is not so big. And it gives us the opportunity to have personal relationships with those artists and kind of um, help them with stages of their career. You asked about specific success stories. There have been a few artists who have done very well with us. There was one woman a few years ago named Iris Scott. She was a finger painter, and she became uh, really well known for her finger painting. She started with us. I had met her, and she was just done with school, and she was trying to sell her work for a couple hundred dollars of painting. And we got together and figured out we could do a lot more if we kind of structured what she was doing. We helped her with figuring out how to put together her uh, content, how to create series, how to raise her prices. And um, now she sells her work for 50 to a hundred thousand dollars a piece. And we got started selling her work for like $500 a painting. And so we worked it up over time until we were selling her work for those prices. And uh, you know, that kind of thing, that's, that's like the ultimate success story, obviously. But for me, I really like to have good relationships with people where I get to know them over time and I can give them the advice and to do the things with their career that they want, because not even everyone necessarily wants what Iris and I did together. I think 
there are varying levels of how people want to interact and how much art they want to make, what their goals are. So I think it's a lot about kind of tailoring the experience to work with the artists and so that it works with us too. We kind of evaluate our relationships every year to see if it makes sense from both sides because it's really important. I want to make sure that both parties are having a good time and getting something yeah. out of it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, from what you've just spoken about, it's really interesting that you helped de- develop Iris's career and you kind of maybe gave her tools and advice and maybe a bit of is did you did you kind of give her a bit of direction with regards to her to her artwork as well kind of maybe if you try this and things like that was that was that kind of what you did in terms of knowing what might sell better and things like that absolutely to an extent i have always been cautious about telling people what to paint because yeah. that is the that's part of the magic of being an artist and having yeah. control over that but certainly having discussions about where she could go and even just thinking about what she wanted to do with her art. Um, The one example I always like to give to people in kind of general terms is where do you want to see your art? For example, if an artist comes to me and says, I want my art to be in museums. And I say, well, all your painting are these little paintings. Have you ever been in a museum? Everything is huge. You need to start (laughs) painting larger. And I I think that that's kind of simplistic, but to the point where you really have to think if your end goal is being in a museum, then what does museum art look like? And then how do you reach the people who are the decision makers to buy that art and so forth and kind of take the steps backwards. So not so much as telling people paint this or that, but say, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? And what are you interested in making? Really, if I were to tell an artist to paint dogs versus landscapes or whatever it might be, I don't (laughs) think that would ever be successful because um, that is kind of stripping away the beauty of art creation and there's this really important kind of visceral fundamental element of making art where it's this human expression so I can only do so much in that regard but also you know helping people once they have the kind of tools in place to make art giving them kind of the overview of what I see from the business side yeah I think that's really really useful and this is a discussion that I have with a lot of artists on this podcast is is this bit in between you making something and wanting to connect with with people through your art and also kind of figuring out and and I always struggle with the wording of this because it's just exactly what we're speaking about but and where you don't want to change too much of of the essence of what you're doing but maybe considering exactly what you said like where you're going to place that art and where you want to go with it and maybe adjusting it, as you say, maybe if you want to be in museums, you know, making it bigger or, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, the public want cats at the moment, so you have to paint loads of cats, but just maybe considering a little bit of of maybe what people want might be useful in terms of meshing it with what you're doing, um, just yeah. to make those connections more, make more of those connections. And um, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because it's you know you can get this artist ego where they where they just want to you know they don't care if people like it and but that's kind of I think restricting yourself and not and not kind of the point the point of art is to connect with people I think um yeah yeah, it's a it's a it's an ongoing question an ongoing discussion isn't it how much you change your art for for the audience 
Yeah, well, it's very interesting too. I mean, I think that's a lot of decision making in terms of how commercial or anti-commercial you want to be with your work. Uh, yeah. There is a whole spectrum of where you can exist in art making from it's a profession and you make art to sell it so that you can keep making more art. My mom, she was a potter. When I was growing yeah. up, she was kind of at the tail end of her pottery making and she was having a gallery. And so I think that's where I learned the gallery business. But I really learned from her because she is a master at the business side. She was so good with realizing I need to make X number of pieces um, and sell X number of pieces to understanding the math. And um, she makes she made really beautiful pottery, but also she was doing it as a business and she knew that. And so I think there's so many kind of shades of that and deciding mm. what you want to be doing. She was doing it because that was her profession and that's how she wanted to make her money. But then I also encounter people from time to time where we go through the discussion and they aren't interested in kind of uh, catering their art in any form to a commercial side. And that's fine. But then they certainly my relationship with them doesn't usually go much farther because I'm in the business of selling art and, <laughs> that's it, yeah. uh, and that's okay though. Yeah. It's, it's all okay. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you just want to do it as a hobby and you're not worried about selling it and um, it's just for you or whatever, or friends or whatever, then it's fine. Absolutely. But if you want to make a living from it, there's kind of certain, certain questions and there's certain um, bits of research, I think that you, you have to do to kind of yeah, yeah not starve <laughs> yeah Underst <laughs> understanding that side of the business is a big deal for being a professional artist we've been talking today about marketing and how do you reach people and really uh for the most successful artists i see it's almost a 50 50 job or at least they're hiring someone a gallery or an assistant to help them with the marketing side because yeah. you really have to think so far ahead of one, even as a gallery, we're saying, okay, we have Mary who we talk to as our customer and she's a very developed person. You know, she lives in Palo Alto, California. She works as an attorney. She has kids, everything like that. But I think it's similar for artists too, to think to some extent, who is their target for the work they're making and then yeah. focusing on how to reach those people. And there's so many different types of clients and how do you get to them? Marketing your art to sell to um, end consumers who want to decorate their beach house is different from selling to uh, institutions who are going to display your art publicly. Uh, you know, there's so many different ways you can sell your work. And I think as artists, sometimes uh, you kind of can get lost as uh, deciding what that marketing side is, but it's important to focus on it. And I think having good advisors to help you with it is nice too. If your focus is on creating the art, find people who can help you to do the other piece of it too. That's where a good gallery or a good associate comes in. Yeah, absolutely. And with when you spoke about earlier, you spoke about kind of getting your work in museums. If someone, um, yeah, like big museums, if someone came to you and wanted to do that, as well as selling their work through you, would you, would you, be able to give them advice on that and help them with that process? I would certainly try. Um, I haven't done too much of that in the U Gallery business. A few people have talked about it and we've discussed routes for finding uh, public buyers and things like that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, as much as I can assist people with what they're trying to do and it makes sense for them and for our business, absolutely. I always have coached artists that, um, 
no matter if it's you gallery or another gallery, there's typically not a one solution fits all. And in fact, yeah. um, in business, we often talk about single points of failure. So uh, you don't always want to have, actually, you never want to have all of your eggs in one basket. So having only one person who sells your art isn't good because what happens if they change directions or go out of business? So I've always said, you gallery is supposed to be kind of one piece in your marketing and sales arsenal. We want to be your online exposure. We want to make business for you through the internet, but also it's good to pursue physical galleries as well. And also opportunities for shows in your local cities and things like that. So I think that, um, you know, as much as I can advise artists on having a multi-pronged approach, that's really good because they'll reach more people and hopefully sell more art and get their art on more walls. Absolutely. It's, um, it, uh, and I think quite a lot of artists tend to have quite a few different income streams as well. I was yeah. speaking to, to, <laughs> to Matt Henry in the last podcast mm-hmm. episode, and he is uh, an art photographer and he's in kind of quite a few big galleries, but he's also, he also does landscape gardening, which, <laughs> which he enjoys, you know, getting outside and things like that. Uh, yeah. I think it's good to have that balance as well. Um, and you know, he advises that you should do something completely separate to the art world. If you're, if you're kind of, hmm. it's not, that's obviously not for everyone, but artists can do so much now they can kind of, um, there's lots of ways you can, you can sell your art. You can put, put them on, put your art on different products and things like that. You can sell prints. You can, there's lots of print on demand, um, sites and things like that. Um, do it, do any of your artists do, do kind of do things like that? Do they have do they have other kind of income streams or kind of things like that that they do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to even to your point, a lot of artists still don't do their art full time as their yeah. careers. So there is that element of it. But certainly a lot of the artists we work with, they do work with multiple galleries. I think that's the most common approach where they'll okay. have galleries in different cities. And right. that, that's, again, kind of differentiating um, one artist who comes to mind, she paints these really kind of magnificent ski- seascapes. She chose galleries in coastal cities on the West yeah. Coast because she could get to them. She lived on the West Coast um, and they didn't compete with each other. And then she also worked with us. So I think having that kind of strategy in mind is really nice. And um, yeah, I mean, certainly kind of being creative. There's a friend of mine. He just hits the pavement. He makes kind of collage art. And he'll go to a new city, he'll create a series of work within like a week's time, and then he'll go into all of the kind of like arts and gift stores to sell the collection. He'll go to he'll go to Chicago, he'll create a series of Chicago scenes, and then he'll go and yeah. sell them. And he'll just do this as kind of a fun thing. He'll travel to a few cities every year. And yeah. it's so cool because then these places often reorder the things. And it's stuff you're talking about. Um, sometimes he's selling uh, little prints of his work for 50 to a hundred dollars a piece or uh, cards and things like that. And it works so well for him. So just being creative about how you create these revenue streams. And he also has his more expensive gallery work, but he likes doing this stuff too. Cause it's, it's kind of fast and fun in that way. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds really cool. Just to kind of have that interaction and that immediate feedback as well. You're kind of going and doing something and then you're you're going in and, and as you say hitting the pavements and and speaking to people um in these yeah. places in these shops and in these galleries and that sounds really cool we, I just um a bit of a question it's something that's come up as well on um other podcast episodes how 
you know you spoke about brick and mortar galleries how would yeah. you advise people approach those type of galleries would you because sometimes there's a, a big barrier to kind of getting in I think for artists to be able to get into those sort of galleries I know with yours there's an application process but for yeah. kind of um re, like in you know IRL galleries um they they um they they don't seem to kind of open their doors very easily to people yeah yeah well I mean I can speak from my experience growing up in my mom's gallery and kind of what I've observed now working in this world. And mostly I think uh, the whole art world is a relationship-based business, but also I think for artists trying to get into specific galleries, it's a lot about observing and seeing how their work fits in, kind of back to what we were talking mm -hmm. about, really identifying the targets. One thing I yeah. see even in our business is we get artists who come to us with work that's totally different than anything we show. Um, and by that, I mean, not even aesthetically, but for example, we don't show any photography on you gallery. We only show paintings at this point. And yeah. we'll say, well, um, you know, your art's not quite the right fit for us. And sometimes they even get upset with us, you know, about, yeah. uh, wh why this or that. And for me, it's kind of funny because it's really just about paying attention to what the gallery does. If you are so intent on working with us, I guess it's understanding a little bit about how your art fits into their program. And so for getting into physical galleries, I think it's a lot about um, paying attention to making sure that your work actually is a fit in some way. And then yeah. uh, being courteous and reaching out to people. Uh, some of the old school techniques I think are still the best, which is um, sending handwritten notes to people is nice, uh, going and meeting them in person, but also not surprising them. Um, you know, like setting up a meeting saying, Hey, I want to come in and talk to you. Can I do that? Yeah. And then once you have your meeting, send them a note afterwards to say, thanks for your time. Just some of these really basic kind of, uh, social interactions go a long way because the truth is galleries only have a limited amount of wall space, but we're all always looking for the right art to come in. And we always want something new and interesting to show. So I think it's mostly about being a good matchmaker to understand that your art and your personality fit into this place um, as well as just you wanting to kind of insert yourself in there if it doesn't work. Um, that's been my observation. Same thing when I was in my mom's gallery, even as a child, watching people come in and the people who came in and had something that was the right fit and they approached her about it, she was always thrilled. Um, and yeah. so I, I don't think things have changed that much within that regard. Yeah. I think that's really kind of fundamental and um, something really to take note of because, yeah, I think I think people forget sometimes that maybe they're, they're just not a good fit and um, they don't because you can kind of get so embroiled in your art and you think you're really kind of passionate about what you're doing and then you you kind of forget that it needs to fit with what this gallery is doing as well and that's kind of part of the thing so I think yeah. that's just just really useful fundamental kind of advice for people um with with regards to um you choosing people for your gallery is is it really important for them to have an online presence like, for example, do you look at kind of how many Instagram followers they have or things like that? Is that something that that kind of affects your decision? Yes, but maybe not in how you'd expect me to answer that. Um, okay. Social, me social media has no effect. 
Um, I really don't pay attention to artists' social channels. We might look at them to see the work, but followers don't matter. The one thing that does matter for us is having too much online exposure, uh, which is really not usually what people expect me to say, but having your art on too many online galleries or just too many places is overwhelming. And if I find it overwhelming, it's not a good play for me to bring them into our gallery because people like our Mary customer is savvy and she will Google people's names after she finds something she likes on our site. And especially right. if an artist say decides to post the same painting, say the same 10 paintings on 10 different platforms and online galleries, then it's kind of a distraction for Mary. One, knowing if the art is original and one of a kind or if it's a print and also uh, where you buy it. Oftentimes the prices can be different in the different spaces. All that yeah. stuff kind of undermines consumer confidence. So for me, when I evaluate an artist's web presence, I actually prefer that there's less of it because then I kind of get to control the narrative a little bit more. And by control the narrative, help them develop it. So yeah. making good decisions. And um, I always say to artists, if you're going to choose to work with multiple online galleries, pick just a few, like two, maybe three tops. Don't show the same art on any of them. Create specific yeah. series for each of them and make yeah. sure all the pricing is consistent. And so yeah. when we evaluate an artist's portfolio, when they apply to us, we'll see, do they have a signature style? Is it something that's identifiable? Say, oh, yeah, I can tell that's an Alex Farkas right there. Um, that's kind of a big piece of it. And then seeing is there's something kind of um, cohesive within it that really speaks to us. And then after that, um, this kind of web presence piece is really important. And we can usually help with other parts. I'll pay attention to pricing. That's another thing talking about if your art is a good fit for a gallery. Pricing is a big deal because all of us gallerists kind of know what our price points are. So the art has to reflect in that as well. Um, but that's stuff that can be advised on. And then, I, you know, finally, I always pay attention to quality. So making sure artists are using... Uh, good quality materials, good canvases, good paints, things like that. We say we sell heirloom quality art to our customers. So that yeah. needs to be reflected in the fact that it needs to last and look good. And um, so there's there's a number of pieces, but I, I think that that web presence thing is is often confusing to people, but there's good reason for why we want limited exposure. Absolutely. Yeah, I get that. That's, that's, a, that's a really interesting, interesting point. And I think what's also there's kind of certain is are there certain standards that people need to look to to have you know their own personal artist site that they have are there certain things that you would expect a professional artist to have on their hmm. website and you can look for those things are there are there certain pointers that you can give people like i suppose yeah. artist statement or things like that or I think someone someone else was mentioning maybe having the well you, also you mentioned having the work in context as well because I think a lot of artists forget that people want to see what it looks like on a wall and yeah. it's not just about kind of just showing the 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 kind of digital image of this the kind of exact size um seeing the work in context and things like that are there are there are there other things as well that you think artists yeah. should kind of have on their website? Yeah, I mean, I think for one, it's also determining what you want to do with your website. 
So if you're going to sell art on your website, there are a lot more things you need. Uh, okay. If your site is just for kind of presentation, say you're using your website to approach galleries, physical yeah. and online galleries, then it can be a lot more simple. I always say sim simple is better. Uh, I only ever really like white background websites that I think probably speaks to growing up in a gallery with white yeah, walls, <laughs> growing up in a house with white walls. I always find it funny going to websites that have black backgrounds or brown backgrounds or anything like that, yeah. because honestly, it really draws away from the art. I don't like black frames either, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the layout is important. I think keeping things organized in a way that's easy to follow. So having at least one page dedicated to your personal information, which I would say includes a small artist bio and an artist statement that you've had someone else proofread to give you kind of pointers, because it's always good to hear what other people think of your writing. Um, and if you're not strong in writing, have someone else write it for you even. Uh, and then laying out the portfolio section in a way where you group series together that makes sense and also okay. keeping sold and available work separate. I find this again and again, where even for us, when I'm searching for a new artist and I come to their site and I love the work and I'm browsing and then suddenly I'm realizing after I've looked through a bunch of it, that all of the work I've looked through is sold and oh, I can't yeah. have it. And that's for <laughs> a customer and for a gallery is a, a really kind of off-putting thing. So keeping those okay. things separate, I think is important. And then if you're getting into commerce, starting to sell, then certainly what we've talked about having good quality images, not just one image, but showing the side, the art in context, a close up, yeah. having a description for every piece and really a description of the series and each piece that explains kind of uh, what someone, what you'd want someone to say about the work at a cocktail party. It doesn't have to be tons and tons of writing, but four sentences or so to explain if you wanted to make someone sound really smart to talk about your art. And that just takes a lot more time. And again, that's where a place like a gallery comes in. When artists come to us, we write an artist bio for them. We write all the descriptions. We make sure that we have all the photos and we proof stuff. Um, but if that's something someone's intent on, then yeah, setting up those pieces of the website is important. Um, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's another it's another business is another marketing strategy as an artist. So you have to decide if that's the route you want to go. Yeah. And do you find that artists really struggle with the writing and describing their art at all? Or, or is that kind of something they, they're OK with? I think sometimes there can be a bit of a disconnect there. They kind of people make the thing and then they don't know how to explain <laughs> explain it. Uh, do you find that yeah. some, that's something that happens? The best explanation I've ever read about that is that people choose the medium to express themselves in which they're most literate. So painters yeah. paint and writers write yeah. uh, and <laughs> so forth. So I think there is some truth to that. Um, but then also we can kind of all put on our marketing caps as well if we're going to do that sort of thing. And think about it from a really structured perspective. I think people can get into trouble if they don't have structure for how they go about doing those things. But trying to identify saying, as I was saying, what are you going to say to someone at a cocktail party about your work, but choosing a, a structure for how you want to write about your work, what you want people to know, if you're going to focus on explaining about the subject matter or the um, style or maybe the materials used, I think that can make it a little bit less daunting. 
And yeah. that's kind of the advice we give people too, is we can help you write these things if you give us clues about what to say about it. And so picking those clues goes a really long way because an abstract painter really is going to talk probably a lot about the process and maybe the materials used versus someone who's painting really classical scenes. It's probably a lot about what's in the scene itself and maybe the uh, symbolic meaning of it. So I think that you can kind of demystify that a little bit. Um, you know, really writer's block is a thing for everyone, but you can always find uh, ways around it and come up with ways to be a little bit more effective. Yeah, I think uh, I think AI can really help as well. With yeah, things like that that's a great days. suggestion. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Having having those things as basic prompts, even to work from, yeah. can go a long way. Um, yeah, use the tools at hand, certainly. Absolutely, I think it's helped me quite a lot in the past. So, yeah, just putting a few prompts in can kind of come up with. Some, sometimes it's a bit, it's a bit off the wall, but you can, at least it's something to start with. Um, but yeah, are there any, when you speak to the artists, when they first come to you, are there common struggles? Are there crossover mm. struggles that they're having, they're all kind of having that you could talk about a bit? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know that I see a commonality in struggles. People come to us okay. for different reasons. Um, yeah. certainly there are some of the things we've talked about, about developing, materials, you know, getting the writing right about your artist statement and bios and things like that. Or some people come to us with questions on direction for their work, kind of, as we were talking about earlier, uh, how do I focus on some specific avenue? But it's really individual. I find a lot of the artists who come to us are just really focused on growing their business. So yeah. um, they're, they're looking for ways to find more exposure uh, meet new clients. I think that's what's so cool about the internet. I often think about this one customer we have. He's based in rural Iowa, and we met him a few years ago. And he said, uh, you know, I love art. I travel to cities seldom. And he said, all the art around me is hunting scenes. And he's like, I don't like that kind of art. I want contemporary art. And so we kind of developed a relationship. And over the years, we've sold a lot of work to him. Um, and so, I, you know, I always think about that kind of as an example of um, this great exposure. If I had my gallery located in uh, you know, Amsterdam or San Francisco, California, I would probably sell to the general radius, but that's it. And the internet yeah. connects us in so many interesting ways. We ship art all over the world. And so I think that's a really cool part about the internet. That was really what drew me to starting this business in the first place so many years is this idea that I could connect a student artist in Tucson, Arizona with a buyer in New York City, you know, that that kind of yeah. thing just made me think, wow, how cool is that? And it just keeps growing and growing. Um, so, I, you know, I think that's the main thing that artists come to us, this desire to sell more work and have more exposure for what they do. So that's really where we focus our attention. And then that comes down to us doing a good job with uh, selling their work in a way that's compelling to people, telling their stories. The the real focus of our marketing in the last couple of years has been storytelling. And that's not just kind of looking at art from some sort of academic perspective, or uh, I, I think also maybe in the early days, looking at our customers as though they needed to be educated about what art is. It's like, I don't need to tell my customer what impressionism is. I need to tell them a really interesting single anecdote about one painter, like this artist, uh, you know, discovered 
even though they were blind, that they could make incredible impressionist paintings and tell their journey, whatever it is. I mean, you know, I'm yeah. just making that up, but yeah. the point <laughs> being that um, that having a real story to tell is what captivates people. And for example, we have a really vibrant email newsletter. We send three emails a week to our clients, and that's a big driver of business for us. We write all the emails from my voice signed by me. And I say at the end of them, I read and uh, respond to any replies. And it's always just telling one story at a time in the emails. And that goes so far. I am really blown away every week how many people write us and respond to, about the story that we tell. Um, so I think that that's really the big hurdle for a lot of people is figuring out how to do the storytelling piece. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a lot of... Um well, most small businesses have this yeah. kind of, have a story behind them, don't they? And that's kind of how, how we connect to each other and how we connect to the world as well is through these stories. It's just such a basic part of our human nature. And that's really interesting yeah. and a really interesting way to draw people in is to kind of, yeah, tell the story behind a piece or behind a person and why they make their art. It's just, it's just fascinating to everyone. It's, I always, I mean, that's, that's kind of why I do this. I love hearing people's stories of how, yeah. of how they got into what they're doing and how, why they why why they're doing what yeah. they're doing um so yeah it's, it's it's really great to hear that and i i suppose it's really important for artists to start thinking about that if they want to um yeah as you say market themselves and sell their work is to kind of think about how they want to present that story the story of them as an artist and the story of why they why they create um and yeah. yeah part part of that needs to go on the on the website and it can help you and things like that so um, I'd like, I'd like to talk a bit more about how people can approach your gallery hmm. and what they would need to do and what kind of, what kind of things they would need to have before coming to you. So yeah. just as kind of like, um, a kind of base, basic kind of idea, like general idea, if how many paintings would someone have to have? done to kind of come to you if they were just like starting from scratch and they were just like right this is what I want to do I want to do this I've wanted to do it for ages I guess there's like a minimum quantity that they would have to have right of work yeah. that they would have had to do yeah I mean I think there's uh two answers to that question the technical answer is we ask new artists to start with 12 pieces on our site so that gives the portfolio a rounded look it gives people some selection um, and yeah. that's really kind of where we like to start. Typically the artists that we do really well with will show anywhere from 20 to 30 pieces at a time on you gallery. We also okay. advise people that once they get started, it's not 12 and done, but we say we'd like to see new art uh, at least every couple of weeks. Give, I mean, give us a piece yeah. at minimum <clears throat> once a month, but uh, really more than that. And I think, it's kind of funny how self-fulfilling it is, but the artists who continue to provide us new work every week are the ones who do the best on our site. Um, okay. So, I, you know, I think there's that aspect of it, but then kind of in, on a deeper level for artists who are just getting started out, I think a lot of that is making enough art that you can start to define something that's unique to you to develop your kind of, um, you know, aesthetic voice and create enough work to understand where you're going to be. Really, we do best with artists who are making art in series. And that was kind of something we learned in the early days working with student artists where they not only weren't so sure what they were doing, but um, not really having 
decided on a particular style or subject matter, it became really difficult to tell the story because as good marketers, we want to develop this story and then use it kind of repeatedly to sell the work. And mm-hmm. so um, making enough art that you get to a point where you want to keep making that is important too. So um, yeah, for artists coming to you gallery, uh, yeah, we ask for an application that's pretty simple. It's just kind of contact details. And we ask them to submit 10 works that they created in the last two years. So that usually is a good place to start so that we can see what people have been doing. We pay attention to dates, how much art people create. It's kind of important for us to be successful. As I said, we need enough art. So if artists only have 10 pieces from 2020, probably say, okay, well, when you make a new series, come back and we'll take a look at it. Um, So yeah, that's kind of the starting point with quantity. That's yeah, that's really interesting. I think it's, it's when people are just starting out, I think it's really useful to know that information. Because if you if you're going to do it and take it seriously, you kind of need to know how much you're gonna how much time you're going to have to commit to it. Maybe if you've got a day, you've got a day job and things like that. And like, how much how much can I give to this? And how much is required? And how much is required to be successful? I think that's really useful advice. Um, I'd just like to speak a bit about how, how you've, I suppose I just want to talk a bit about the struggles that artists go through and if you've got any advice for, I suppose if people get, people are getting stuck or kind of feeling like they, I guess words of encouragement or, or help if people are wanting to go on this route um, would be would be useful, I think, uh, yeah. to kind of budding artists. That's nice. I really like that. I, I try and be uh, as kind of encouraging as I can to everyone who wants to make art because it's like anything, it's a hard path to follow, but I think it's really rewarding and it's kind of a, a unique place to be in the world to share your I, I always say art is the ultimate human expression there are a lot of different forms of art of course but it's how we can kind of relate to each other as people so it serves such a an amazing and important role in the world i think for me uh that art plus travel has made me realize that we're all the same in the world and going through our own kind of joys and struggles so i always just tell artists that if you're feeling stuck or having a struggle talk to the people around you about it, talk to other artists, because um, there's a really kind of solitary element to art making, but actually there's this really wonderful community around all of us. And it's kind of the same for gallerists and artists alike. Anyone who's in this uh, kind of uh, art world uh, ecosystem, we can all help each other by just having a good conversation, talking about what we're trying to accomplish and what we're currently stuck on. I think yeah. for me, I've always, since we started you I've always tried to surround myself with uh, advisors, people I trust. Um, and I don't think that's just something for uh, business owners. I think it's the same for artists. Having yeah. kind of your uh, board of advisors, your trusted uh, confidants, so you can say, this is where I'm at with this. What do I do? And those are the mentors that will get you through those hard times. So I, I say, when you're stuck, talk to people about it. And just know yeah. that uh, we're all out there trying to do the same thing. I've always felt that way about this. We're kind of in the same boat together. It's not a competition. It's how can we get more art out into the world? How can we help each other be more successful? Because this is kind of a meandering journey, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Are there any kind of um, art communities or people that that some of your artists join or or groups or things like that that you that you've heard of? Yeah, I I think in modern times, uh, especially the U Gallery artists, uh, they often use Facebook. Uh, I don't know if that's still the most common, I think Instagram, but Facebook is nice for, I think, the kind of camaraderie and forums and maybe uh, speaks to my demographic of artists. Uh, But then I grew up in a small arts town and it was mostly about kind of studio mates and, uh, you know, people who share the, the building who were there to support each other. And as much as possible, I always still say, I mean, I have an online business, but I always say, get people to help you face to face, because I think that there's something that's especially in art, really important, even studio critiques and things like that. um, Having local groups to look at each other's art and help each other that way is good. But really, Facebook is great. Social media is great for that sort of thing, because you can connect with people from all over. And um, I, I think that's really powerful. I suppose people could also kind of start their own local group, as you say, or kind of, yeah, meet yeah. people in person that way. I think I think that was probably quite useful if you're just starting out, finding other people who want to do the same thing as you and, and chatting to them in, in real life, yeah. as you say. As, <laughs> yeah. as people people are veering away from that, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there was a, a group that I spoke with in San Francisco, the San Francisco Artist Network. Uh, it's yeah. run by another artist named Stephen Wagner. And he did the most amazing workshops to bring people together. He did portfolio review workshops. Uh, wow. He had gallerists come in to look at artist work. And then he had talks where it was um, gallerists and artists, you know, helping. And he created this whole network of people just wow. to help each other. And it was really That's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it depends where you're at, obviously, what city or town you live in, but that kind of thing is really great. And you can always look to see where you can find more of that sort of thing. I think that artists need it, truly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, if there if there isn't one set up for you, then yes, do do the work <laughs> just, and set it up for yourself. <laughs> just another side project. Just another yeah, just another project. thing you have to do. <laughs> Well, on that note, Alex, it's been so great to chat to you today. Thank you so much for all of your insights and advice for artists. I think that's so, so useful. So it's been fantastic and uh, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Wonderful. Thanks for your time. I enjoyed chatting with you you too. Take care. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Alex. So many valuable insights there. Really fantastic bunch of information there that help will help any artist get into galleries online or brick and mortar. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that episode and I'll see you for the next one. And if you want to go to becominganartist.co.uk, you can also download the Becoming Part of an Online Gallery Uh, exact steps diagram that I've created and you can also get all of the resources from Alex and from all of the other podcast episodes so I'll see you in the next one and keep creating